Welcome to The Lab. What's going on, all you Brainiacs out there? And welcome back to yet another episode of the Fantasy Football Laboratory. I am your host, the King of Trade, Shane Palma, joined as always by Spitfire Lucas Parrish. What's going on, guys? And the chemist, Jack McGrath. How are we doing today? Six Sundays away, Jack. We are six Sundays away from the NFL season kicking off and another year of fantasy football. And who doesn't love fantasy football? Because that is why you're listening to this podcast right now is because of fantasy football. And I love fantasy football. I do too. Love it. We all do. And because I love fantasy football so much and because I'm so addicted and because I can't help myself, last night was the second of three brainiac follower league drafts i drafted again i drafted in july i'm gonna i'm gonna break the stigma of you you can't you can't draft in july and win a championship because of all the injuries that happen oh no 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 no, no. that's not true you can't draft in july you can draft in july and win a championship there are still the same odds that you will win a championship if you draft in july that is correct the issue is you shouldn't draft in july because then the most skilled people are not winning championships because there's a lot more randomness added in with injuries and everything that is going on in preseason and training camp it it depends i mean it's higher risk higher reward if you draft earlier well is it higher reward how is it higher reward it's just higher risk because you can't make you're not getting higher reward with cam no 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 no, no. that's the higher risk the higher reward is if you see someone who's going to like explode on the season before anybody else does and then as the season goes on they start to race up in the rankings so it's like how you could get a kareem hunt before damian williams tore his acl and then suddenly you have the rb1 on the season that you got in the 12th round that's exactly it right there. That's the high reward. There you go. High risk, high reward when it comes to drafting this early. We are going to spend this episode, obviously we're going to talk about the news with Aaron Rodgers, everything going on there, Michael Thomas, Deshaun Watson. All those stories are going to be integrated into talking about the draft results from my draft last night. I once again had the 10th pick. I feel like I'm destined to have the 10th pick in every single league this season. I'm fine with that. I love the 10th pick. Great I think pick. Great, spot. great pick. Yep. Um, definitely better than those mid like six, seven. Yuck. Gross. Ugh, don't give me six or seven. Eight. I don't want eight. Six through eight. I don't want that. Nine I can live with. Ten, eleven. That's what that's where the money's made, right? Twelve. There. I love twelve wow. too. Mm, all that's, that's good. All those spots. So let's get right into how this draft started to unfold. First overall pick, Christian McCaffrey. No shock. Once again, what? two drafts, two first picks, two Christian McCaffreys. First one off the board. Second pick. Not straying too far from the from the recommended settings here on Yahoo. It's Dalvin Cook. Last time it was Ezekiel Elliott who went second overall, which shook everyone up. This time it's Dalvin Cook. Alvin Kamara goes pick number three. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't love it. With Kamara, you're looking at the same thing. It's the Taysom Hill scenario. If you have Taysom Hill in there, then Alvin Kamara's value plummets. If you have James no. Winston in there, it's probably the same as it was last year. I'm just not sure with Alvin Kamara at this point, three over Derrick Henry. At the end of the day, we continually hate on Alvin Kamara going into the season, and he continually is better than a lot of the running backs that we like more. I can't can't fault whoever took Alvin Kamara at three, even though I believe Taysom Hill will hurt his value. He's still the best player on that team, and so no matter what, Sean Payton's going to be drawing up plays to him. He's going to be good. I mean, we'll we'll hit on it more later, but Thomas is out at least through mid-October, right? So – what Mar- uh, Traquan Smith, that's going to be your go-to guy in the offense. So this offense is Alvin Kamara. Alvin like, Kamara in the people, slot, baby. Two yeah, RB sets. Two R- why not? Why not two RB sets? Seriously, even I could see, well, even if Latavius Murray lines up in the backfield, I really don't envision a scenario 
with what the Saints have right now where Kamara leaves the field. Like, why would you take Kamara off the field? He's your best receiving threat right now. Yeah. So I'm I'm very comfortable with Alvin Kamara at three over. I actually, after this Michael Thomas news, I moved him up to the third overall player in my rank. I'm I'm all for it. I absolutely, especially in PPR standard. I'm I'm taking Derrick Henry over him still. I am. That makes the most sense. Derrick Henry could be considered the number one overall player in standard league still. Uh, but Alvin Kamara in PPR, the amount of you know, even with Taysom Hill there, the amount of receptions he's going to get. I'm still thinking that's warranting a top, you know, five selection at the least uh, if you're drafting at the moment. Shane, I did the same thing as you. You moved him up? Eight to three. Yep. After, after I heard the it. Thomas news. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Move him up at all. I'll move him up. To, I think he's five now, but. He's at least top five. Look, with, with the uncertainty of Aaron Rodgers, I mean, uh, over Aaron Jones, yes. If Aaron Rodgers plays, I'll still probably have him over Aaron Jones, though. That's the thing. It's like Alvin Kamara is just. With Michael Thomas out, he is their best receiving threat. Like, there's no way he doesn't average 10 receptions a game. 10 targets at least. At the least, 10 targets. And, yeah. you know, getting that, you know, that's probably eight receptions a game. So, yeah, I mean, that that out of your RB1 plus whatever he does with that, and we know he's one of the most elusive players in the NFL, one of the best at yards per carry, every all those stats, and punching it in the end zone. Kamara is worthy of that early round selection right yes, now. Yes, head. Taysom Hill, if he's the starter, will steal red zone carries, will steal some red zone touchdowns. But I don't care. If you're getting 10 targets a game, you're going and even some touchdowns, you're gonna be an RB1, a top half RB1 every day in PPR. If Jameis Winston is the starter, could you make the case for Kamara right now yes. as the overall RB1? Yes, 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 yes. And I would, I mean, I I I don't know if I'd have it that way just because Christian McCaffrey is what Alvin Kamara would be to that team just with, well, a better quarterback with a question mark after it. Um, but yeah, you could absolutely make that case. I'd move him above Dalvin Cook at that point. Yeah, I think that's fair. If we find confirmation that Jameis Winston's the starter, I'm fine moving Kamara up to two at this point. At the fourth overall pick, it seems like he's consistently top five, whether it's three, four or five, and even two in that one league is Ezekiel Elliott going at four here and then Derek Henry falls to number five. So there's your top five. They seem interchangeable with a lot of leagues that I've joined. I don't understand why Derek Henry's not consistently going top three or top four. I don't understand the Ezekiel Elliott over Derek Henry. Now I get the points that Ezekiel Elliott is Ezekiel Elliott and he's had years in the past where he's been fantastic. But we saw him fall off last year, whether it was with Dak Prescott or whether it wasn't with Dak Prescott. We did see a drop-off in production from Ezekiel Elliott. And Shane, you've hit on this before. Tony Pollard started taking more receptions and more carries. We know Derrick Henry has a stranglehold on his backfield. We know he's going to get the yardage. Everything is set with Derrick Henry. Ezekiel Elliott still has a small question mark. And their ceilings and floors are, are very, very similar. But Henry's floor is higher and his ceiling's the exact same as Ezekiel Elliott. So I, I don't know. I would, I would disagree with the ceiling. You've got a couple points that you can make here. Derrick Henry's a decent bit older than Ezekiel Elliott, which is, you know, a problem. I don't know if that's actually a decent bit, but it's enough. Derrick Henry is right at 30. Um, and, and which is concerning. Is he 29? He might, I think he's 28. 27 actually would be his age. Yeah. He's, he's 27. Yeah, he'll be he'll be twenty eight throughout the season next year. Oh, never mind, never mind. Well, then throw that one out. He is I, what I, we call in his prime. Yeah, he's he's definitely towards the towards the end of his prime, but but definitely in his prime. Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, obviously with the receptions, is where you're going to look at. But here's the thing: we know how hard he fell off without Dak, and what you have to look at with with Dak right now in this world that we're living in. Dak Prescott's not vaccinated. 
And that's, that's concerning to me. Um, you know, and I should say, maybe I don't have a, like really like confirmed Dak Prescott coming out and saying he's not vaccinated, but when asked if he was vaccinated, he did the whole like, Oh, HIPAA, I don't have to tell you blah, blah, blah stuff, which I mean, yes, you don't have to tell them, but not because of HIPAA. Um, you know, so that's, that's the whole, like, I'm fairly certain he's not vaccinated and that's concerning because that could mean he could very well, you don't want to, you don't want to like, obviously, you know, project injuries. That's not projecting injuries. That's projecting a, a, a very contagious virus that he's not vaccinated against. Well, listen, you know, it's, it's not our stance, whether or not to tell people to get vaccinated. Everyone has sure. their opinion, whatever they want to do. It is totally up to them. Sure. Uh, but I'm going to be honest with you. Something that I noticed in some of the mock drafts that I did uh, in, in this draft in particular that we'll get to in a second is that DeAndre Hopkins, who is one of the more vocal people more recently, you know, coming out and saying, uh, you know, if, if he doesn't want to get it, he doesn't have to. And if that's the case, he'd rather not even play. Uh, he fell. He fell behind a guy like Justin Jefferson and A.J. Brown and Calvin Ridley. Uh, he, he was one of the later wide receivers taken in this draft which was very interesting. And it's just a real life scenario. You know, we play fantasy football, but that stuff's all real life and real life stuff might have an impact on the game. So when it comes to all that stuff, obviously we can only say stuff to a certain extent, uh, but definitely it's going to be something to watch uh, going forward, at least for the rest of the off season. And with some of these guys that are more vocal too, we saw what the bills locker room is looking like on Twitter. We got a sneak peek into that. Cole Beasley is fighting with his teammates on Twitter about whether or not they should get vaccinated or whether or not the NFL should have rules in place about vaccinations. This is something that's going to disturb locker rooms just a little bit. If there, you have two people on very opposing sides, it's turned into a polarizing topic in NFL locker rooms. If that happens, suddenly you can see some splits between quarterbacks and receivers and their linemen. There, there might be a bit, a bit of a uh, tension there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, yeah, you're, you're right, Shane, when you say we're not here to to make any recommendations, suggestions, or, or tell people what to do. But when you look at fantasy football, if you're not vaccinated, you still have that, that significantly higher chance of, of catching COVID, right? And if you catch COVID, you're probably going to be out for two weeks with the potential of if it's spreading among your team, your team forfeiting games for, for a week or two. That stuff affects fantasy football. It does. I have moved DeAndre Hopkins down because of it, right? I've moved Cole Beasley down because of it. I've moved Dak Prescott down because of it. It concerns me. You know, and we will not know. There are going to be players who aren't getting vaccinated. Who we aren't going to know whether they are or aren't. Right now, I believe about 65% of the NFL is vaccinated. There are going to be a lot of people who don't come out and talk about it. But if someone does, I mean, that's really concerning. Like, it, 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 it really is. And obviously not enough to drop DeAndre Hopkins outside the top five at the wide receiver possession. But instead of being the number, you know, three guy, make him the number five guy. You know, it's, it's nothing super significant, but, but it's enough. And it's, it's a little bit of a concern in my mind. All right, let's move on here because we haven't even gotten to the sixth pick. And I want to talk about my entire team because this is one of my favorite drafts I've ever done. So at six overall was Jonathan Taylor yet again, consistently going in this spot, whether you like it or you don't, I'm never going to take him at that value. So pass for me. Seven was Stefan Diggs, first wide receiver off the board. Uh, Black Swan's team felt like it was time to grab that. So kudos to him for making that decision. Uh, and then Saquon Barkley went eighth. To Dylan's dogs, Aaron Jones went ninth and then right into my lap. I'm wearing the Chargers jersey today. I landed my first share of Austin Eckler, and I could not be happier. Tenth pick of the first round. Absolutely love it. Uh, I have him right now in my overall rankings at six, and he's going to stay there unless he moves up 
above Ezekiel Elliott at the moment. That's the only way he would do that. Uh, and then pick 11-12. Rounding out the first round, we had Nick Chubb and Tyree Kill as the second wide receiver taken. So when you look back at the first round, two wide receivers, 10 running backs. There it is again. All of those running backs, it just goes so hot and heavy. You know, we talked about it the last episode. People want running backs. They love running backs. You really can't leave the first round without grabbing a significant running back. And if you do, make sure to get one in the second round. First pick of the second round was Travis Kelsey. And then I really wanted Antonio Gibson for that one-two punch uh, with Austin Eckler. I thought that would have been great. Unfortunately, he went the pick before me. It's okay. You can can still get Cam Akers. Oh, wait. He was still right. He was still available. (laughs) What a great value for him. Still on the board. I don't know if you guys would believe that I did this. Maybe you will. With my second round pick, third pick of the second round, I took Darren Waller. I don't hate it. Why why would we not believe you did that? I would do that. Oh, I don't know. Just because his ADP is still, you know, 28. I don't I don't care what his ADP is. I think that he is absolutely an early second round pick. If I lock up my my RB1 in the first round, I'm coming back around and looking for one of those big three guys at the tight end position in round two. That close, Jack, you did this. I was that close to Kelsey. I really You're thought I could. Kelsey, I wasn't expecting you to go Waller. I would think you'd go Kelsey and then, well, if you add Kelsey, you'd go Kelsey and then be able to grab somebody on the back. But we've talked about this before. The gap between Waller and Kelsey really isn't as big as it, 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 we're thinking it will be. The gap between their ADP yeah. differences. The gap, the gap between Kelsey Waller and Kittle is not all that much. In reality, it's Kelsey not. and Waller, but yeah. And uh, actually, it, on on Yahoo's X rankings, which is usually what people see when they load up into a draft, and it takes into account uh, points that you're projected to score, ADP, where you know uh, rankings and everything like that. Uh, Darren Waller is now seven spots ahead of George Kittle. Wow, that's legit. That's I like actually not this, shocking. This is a two flex uh, league, and there was a small part of me that was praying George Kittle fell to me in the third round. And then I could literally shore up. Cause you know, you're starting. That would be awesome. Tight end. I'm rule. I'm ruling over Cause George Kittle's a wide receiver one. Yeah. As a tight end. Th- those three are the wide receiver ones as tight ends. And like, if I could rule that position, uh, especially since I can start two flex and basically start. You could get, you could get, you want to talk about positional value. There's a lot of positional value in the tight end. If you could get both of those guys, if you, if you wanted to trade one of them away, down the season, you could get a lot for it. But even if you didn't, you're absolutely right when you shore up one of those flex positions with a guy who produces as much as a wide receiver one because there <laughs> isn't that much of a gap between Kelsey, Waller, and Kittle. The gap comes after Kittle. We haven't yeah. really talked about this a lot. If you could go, if you have a flex position in your league, you could go Kelsey in the second and Waller in the third. You won't be really there. not losing that much as opposed if you can shore up the RB position in round one, get a solid running back. If you go Waller instead of a top wide receiver, you're really not losing that much in terms of value in your flex position. And then you have a backup tight end if one of those guys goes down. Yeah, unfortunately, Jack, he will not be there in the third round. Every mock that I've done, whether it's where I take him in the early, he'll always go late second round now. Like people are really recognizing the positional advantage that those three guys have at the tight end uh, spot. So unfortunate. You know, especially as we get closer to the draft day, I can only imagine where these guys are going to go. Yeah. Uh, but Dan, like it, right where I took Darren Waller, like imagine in, in a little bit, we're talking Aaron Rodgers is in Vegas because he got traded. Darren Waller's in a first round pick. Like I would have yeah. taken Darren. I, I might have taken oh, Darren yeah. Waller. Well, no, I probably still like Austin Eckler that much, but 
Darren Waller would I would have taken Darren Waller over. Darren Waller is the number one tight end by a, a a decent amount if Aaron Rodgers is in Vegas. Yes, absolutely. All right. So after my Darren Waller pick, it went AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, boom, another two guys before Hopkins off the board. Najee Harris, Justin Jefferson, Joe Mixon, Clyde, Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and David Montgomery with the last pick of the second round. So there was 10 running backs in the first round. One, two, three, four, five. So 15 out of the first 24. Once again, running backs. Once again, goes to show you, make sure you're grabbing a running back at least one in the first or second round. Third round. I mean, if you you do wait till the third, though, and you walk out with the running back core of Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis, though, like it's not not a bad running back core to walk out with, with how good your other positions are going to be. Well, let's, let's talk about what else I ended up doing here in the third and fourth round. So third round went like this. DK went, then Terry McLaurin. So you have right now a run on wide receivers besides George Kittle mixed in there. Keenan Allen, Al Robinson, of course, someone had to do it. They took Patrick Mahomes in the third round. Cardinals yeah. in the fantasy football. Don't make that mistake. CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb getting pushed up now into the middle of the third. Above Amari Cooper. Way wow. above Amari Cooper. I, would, I, I wouldn't. I would still take Amari Cooper over CeeDee Lamb. Even with with uh, the ankle injury, you're not concerned at all. Even if he's looking great, feeling great, just the fact that it's in the back of your mind that he's dealing with it right this second. No. No. Okay. I mean, I'm not either. I was just just curious. I think uh, they should be close together. Amari in the third, CD in the fourth. That's perfect value. CD in the third, Amari in the fourth. That's what CD. It is. CD, I, I'm not saying I'd be like opposed to take CD in the third, but it's still probably there. There are guys who are going there that I would rather have. And then Amari in the fourth is like, oh, yeah, gimme, 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 gimme. Exactly. All right. And then after C.D. Lamb, huge run on running backs. J.K. Dobbins went one pick before me. DeAndre Swift went. Oh. I, I, and I have a trade right now out for him because I, I really wanted Swift. Um, so then it was my turn to pick. I have Eckler. I have Waller. I selected Chris Carson as my RB2. Look at Jack. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I love Chris Carson. Man. An undervalued guy. Always, I know, I always know. is. Year. You got, you know, as sometimes I hate to say this, he's kind of boring. He kind of is. And that's why he kind of falls him. I hate him and Robert Woods might be two, two of the most boring players in all fantasy football, whether it's their name or, or just the fact that they're like low key consistent. I don't know what it is, but they always fall way lower than they should. Yep. They do. Boring wins championships sometimes. In fantasy. Sometimes you need to take those risks, but boring sometimes does help you. Boring, win. boring helps you. Yeah, boring doesn't win championships, but boring can be pieces you need in order to win championships. Obviously, you've got to hit on some bigger names to win a championship, but having that consistency of some of those boring guys really helpful in that process. So Chris Carson played in twelve games last season. Um, in PPR scoring, he scored in double digit points. In 10 of those games, scored over eight and a half points in 11 of those games. He had one game where he had a bad game last year. And basically everything else was legitimate. He had multiple games with over 20 points. He's going to score 10 to 25 points every single week. He'll be closer to that 15-ish range. But that's not losing you games. If you have that in your running back position and you have good positional value elsewhere, that's that's going to put you in contention in every single game you're in. So I went with Chris Carson, RB2, solid, solidified that running back spot, right? Got my two studs 
Chris Godwin, Miles Sanders went next. So Miles Sanders not slipping to the fifth round here, ended up getting taken at the end of the third, probably Jack, right where you'd want to see him go, if not even a little bit earlier than that. Beginning of the fourth round, Mike Evans, then Amari Cooper went. Wow. So close. So close. Yeah. Amari Cooper in the fourth, almost had it. So I went. Why not? I took Miles Gaskin. So I have now a running back core of Austin Eckler, Chris Carson, and Miles Gaskin with Darren Waller as my tight end. Oh, baby. I'm in love with that start. Oh, my God, I love that start. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I mean, here's the thing. If you walk out with wide receiver question marks, the amount of value you can find at the wide receiver position later doesn't compare to the amount of value or or, or is way more than the amount of value you can find at the running back position. If you walk out of your draft with a phenomenal RB core and a questionable wide receiver core, you're going to be sitting in a much better spot than if you walk out with a phenomenal wide receiver core and a questionable RB core. Yeah. I think we talked about this on a couple episodes ago where there are maybe 20 to 24 running backs. You're going to start comfortably in your lineup week to week throughout most of the season this year. And if you can get three of those in the first four or five rounds and you can put them in your flex, you have a positional advantage over others and you have a solid backup who you can actually trust where there's going to be two or three teams in your league if you're in a 12-team league who don't have that, maybe even four or five, depending on how many people go three running backs in the first A lot of them won't even have a a really good RB2. A lot of them are going to have – I mean, everybody's going to have probably at least a solid RB1 at the very least, but that RB2 is where it starts to get a little bit more questionable. I mean, you know, and then there are moments where you don't even have a good RB1. Jack, you you know that one for – you know that one from experience there. Yeah, remember when I started Joshua Kelly and I think – must have been like probably Damian Williams or Darrell Williams, whoever was the third strainer in yep. Kansas City. Kansas left. City, yeah, that was Darrell Williams. Yeah, at some point, I that was, brutal. and that's and that's literally going to happen in fantasy football. Like you, you never, you never know how the season's going to shake out. That's why, again, the draft is is vital, obviously, to winning a championship. But running that waiver wire is just as important to help get you there. Uh, so after I took Miles Gaskin. Josh Allen went, then the boring Robert Woods, uh, who I honestly think could have been in a in a similar range to C.D. Lamb in the third round. I would have been fine with Robert Woods in that same range, but he falls to the third round. T. Higgins' train is picking up a lot of steam. He went in the fourth round here. I was wow. stunned because I thought I was hoping to get him as one of my two starters in the fifth and sixth round, but ever, you know, I posted a video on T. Higgins the other day breaking down um, – some some person on Twitter, I forget who it is. I apologize if you are listening to this and I don't know who you are. They created a thread and they compared T. Higgins to nine other sophomore wide receivers who have similar uh, attributes uh, physically uh, and, and the statistical numbers that they had put up on uh, in their rookie seasons. Calvin Johnson, I think, was one of them. And in their first season, they had, uh, I think it was an 18 point something percent target share that then jumped up in the second season to a 23% target share. Uh, And while people are saying, oh, the Bengals offense can't sustain it, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase are there. People are arguing me. Someone on TikTok said that Michael Gallup was better than T. Higgins going into next season because it's a similar situation. It was the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. They had had something fantasy in their username. I, I said, I pray to God that you do not actually give fantasy advice if you're trying to tell me that you'd rather Michael Gallup over T. Higgins going into next season. But T. Higgins... You know, that that offense, Gio Bernard's gone. 
AJ Green is gone. And while Green didn't do much, he, he accumulated targets. So there's 163 vacated targets in that offense. Now, obviously, if we're going to give, you know, however many to Jamar Chase, maybe we see 90 or 100, whatever it is, 60-something targets, maybe give some of those to Mixon. I think you even see a greater increase in targets for T. Higgins. Like, T. Higgins isn't losing targets going to next year. If anything, he's he's set to gain more targets, especially with, you know, green, big body wide receiver targeted in the red zone. T Higgins is the alpha wide receiver that Joe Burrow is going to be looking for in the red zone next season. So I'm, I'm really not mad that T Higgins went in the fourth round. I just wish that I could have gotten him in the fifth or sixth round. I, I still probably would not feel comfortable taking him at that spot with some of the other guys on the board. But I mean, I can't say I disagree with you about, you know, T Higgins and, and what we're looking at for next year. I love T Higgins, loved him coming into the draft, loved how good he was last year. And even with Jamar Chase, I've always been T Higgins above Jamar Chase the entire offseason. So I completely agree. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I do like T Higgins. I think he's the number one draftee in terms of fantasy in that in that entire receiving core. The issue is he's what is what taking over Cooper Cup, probably Robert Woods. No, he was taken above, and I, w- I actually wouldn't do this. I have the three players that he was taken above. I wouldn't take above him, or two, actually. Julio Jones and Cooper Cup, I would still take yeah. above. Yeah. No, that, that's where the issue comes in. You take those guys above him because they're solidified, they're proven, and their situations have either improved. Even Julio's just similar to what it was in Atlanta, and Cooper Cup's has improved. So you're, you're okay taking both those guys well over T. Higgins. Yeah, And T. Higgins probably could have been there for him on the wraparound. If, yes. if he had waited long enough because people were grabbing quarterbacks and any of the last remaining running backs on the board. Uh, Darrell Henderson, this is the first time I've done a draft since the Cam Akers news, a real draft. He went here with the eighth pick in the fourth round, still too high. I mean, you're taking him above Mike Davis. No, for me, Travis Etienne. No, for me, Kareem Hunt. That's where I, you know, consider drawing the line or, or maybe considering taking either of them. I, I still, you know, even if they don't bring in a veteran presence, I, Jack, I don't know if you talked about this with us on the, on the last podcast. I don't know if you were here, but Lucas and I were talking about Xavier Jones and Jake Funk and some of the other running backs in the Rams backfield, which while they're either undrafted or seventh round picks, mostly unknown, their stats from college, their, their builds, their profiles, they can still have a role in this offense, especially Xavier Jones, who the Rams actually view as an asset heading into next season. Darrell Henderson never really excelled as a pass catcher. If you look at the stats from last season, he was never utilized in the pass game, even when uh, Cam Akers was healthy and Henderson was getting the majority of the workload from weeks like one through eight, he was never used as a pass catcher. So if he's not going to be used as a pass catcher that much, and he's not going to be that effective as a runner if they're going to use Xavier Jones or bring in someone else that I think it's a wasted pick, especially in the fourth round. Like I, at that point, I definitely would have taken Julio above Henderson, but Henderson went above Julio. Yes, but I think with what we're seeing right now is we've got a guy who is the RB1 currently in his offense. It's in a good offense that has sustained multiple running backs in terms of fantasy value before. I mean, you look at last year, and you didn't want anything to do with that Rams backfield, but you combine Malcolm Brown and you combine Cam Akers and you combine Henderson's stats from last year, and you have a very formidable RB1 or RB2. I haven't done crunched the numbers yet, but you have a starting running back in those guys. And what we're seeing is we have a guy who is the RB1 in his offense, and he's going to get significant touches. Now I get Xavier Jones and you got Jake Funk who could take carries, but 
I don't trust that they're going to dip in enough at this point to knock Henderson off the receiving value. As you said, I don't see it being there, but realistically, I still think Henderson is going to get carries. I would draft the other two guys over him. I would take Kareem Hunt over him. Um, but I, I could see, I could see a case for Darrell Henderson at that pick. Would you take Chase Edmonds above Henderson? Ooh, that's tough. Probably not. I definitely would. I would take, I've got Henderson at 26, which is two spots behind Chase Edmonds and one spot behind Kareem Hunt. At this point, I still think they're going to bring in a veteran, but until I see them bring in a veteran, I can't make that call yet. Cause they're right now what they're saying, they're not, but I still think they're going take to Travis Etienne over Henderson. Oh, that Jacksonville backfield. It's, it's crazy out there. I wouldn't, I, I, I don't think I would either. Henderson. Henderson's going to have more guaranteed touches than Etienne will week to week, even though Etienne's are definitely going to be more so in the receptions, which I like, mm-hmm. I'd still probably take Henderson above them, but they're close. Same tier. Would you rather take Javante Williams over Henderson? No, 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 no. He's sharing carries with Melvin Gordon still at the beginning of the season. If you want a second half guy, Javante Williams is the guy, but he should be going way lower still. Would you take Damian Harris over Darrell Henderson? No. Simple answer, no. The Patriots backfield still scares me enough where I'm not taking a Patriots running back over a guy who I know has carries. Just checking, just checking. All right, so after we wrapped up the fourth round with Dak Prescott, we head into the fifth round. Kyle Pitts, first pick of the fifth round. Yep, that's where he's going to go. Fifth round is the spot for Kyle Pitts. So if you miss out on those top three, that's where you're going to get him. And this one, value. yeah, he went over Hawkinson, well above Hawkinson, and definitely above Mark Andrews. Uh, right after Pitts was another rookie in Etienne. Then we had Kyler Murray, Kareem Hunt, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Lamar Jackson, Adam Thielen, who I want to spend a second on because I made a TikTok on him today. And I was looking at his numbers from last season. And based on expected touchdown rate, he was only uh, with the receptions that he had, the targets that he had, and the yards that he had. He was only expected to accumulate 5.5 touchdowns last season, and he ended up having 14, 13 inside the red zone, 20 red zone targets. I don't believe that number is sustainable. Where do you guys have Adam Thielen currently in your rankings? I've still got him at 24, wide receiver 24. You know, I think that's a solid spot for him. He's going to have a role in this offense, and it's going to be significant. Justin Jefferson will have more of a role. I do absolutely expect some touchdown regression than Adam Thielen. That being said, he's still a phenomenal red zone threat. I still expect him to near double-digit touchdown numbers. You know, I think we're looking at eight or nine touchdowns, which I also expect to be more than Justin Jefferson. Um, he'll be utilizing that red zone role more. He'll get some receptions. He'll be, I mean, he'll be solid. He's Adam Thielen, right? He's trusty, safe, all that stuff. Adam Thielen, I've got him at wide receiver 24, and I think that's a good spot for him. Where do you have Tyler Lockett, though? Because I I feel like they are the most comparable players right now in all fantasy football. I've got Tyler Lockett at wide receiver 27. What do you mean, what? They're both in basically two main wide receiver sets with an alpha wide receiver on the other side, DK and Justin Jefferson. They're playing second fiddle where they're more reliant on touchdowns than anything else. But but the difference is that Tyler Lockett's a deep threat and Adam Thielen is very much not. That's the they're they're the extremely... that Adam Thielen actually scored touchdowns and Tyler Lockett did not, except for two games throughout the entire year. No, he that's not game. true. Tyler Lockett had a bunch of touchdowns too, and yes, they came in bunches, but he still had them. Adam Thielen's touchdowns, Adam had tons of two touchdown games. Like his his touchdowns came in bunches as well. So it's they're comparable in the sense that they're playing second fiddle to a young wide receiver who's emerging, but they're not comparable at all in how they play the game. Well, throwing yeah. it out there, Adam Thielen had 14. You mentioned this, Shane. Adam Thielen had 14 touchdowns. Tyler Lockett had 10, so he had four less, which 
It's not as significant once you get up there, but Adam Thielen scored a significant amount. I still have Adam Thielen as a top 40 player overall. I think Adam Thielen's being undervalued right now. I understand Justin Jefferson is an alpha receiver, but if you look at how defenses are going to start playing the Minnesota Vikings, Adam Thielen is no longer the number one that's going to be drawing the top cornerbacks and the double coverage downfield. It's going to be Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is the main guy. He solidified that last year. And now defenses are going to be all over him. That leaves room for Adam Thielen, who's still playing second fiddle. I still think he is a legitimate talent in this league. So I think he's going to get a lot of targets from Kirk Cousins. That's one point that's out there. I'm looking at the ultimate draft kit provided by the fantasy footballers. Great job that they always do. I love using their uh, site and everything that they provide to help us with fantasy football stuff. They have Tyler Lockett as the consensus 12 overall wide receiver heading into next season. Jack, I feel like that's way too high. No, I'm with you on that one. I think Here, that I'll is you, way too I'll high. tell you who they have him above. And you tell me if you agree or disagree. They have him above Julio Jones. Disagree. They have him above CeeDee Lamb. Disagree. They have him above Robert Woods. Disagree. They have him above Chris Godwin. Disagree. Kenny Galladay. Agree. Cooper Cup. Disagree. DJ Moore. Tie. It's close. That yeah. one's close. Yep. Deontay Johnson. Disagree. That's crazy. Number 12 overall. It's That's- So, Tyler, I understand, and he might put up that amount of points at the end of the year, but it's so inconsistent that I really can't trust him as anything more than a flex play, right? The way I draft my lineups is I try to get guys who are going to consistently put up week-to-week value. The goal is to win each week in fantasy football – Tyler Lockett might help you win three weeks in your league. But other than that, he's going to put up terrible numbers. I mean, you look at his numbers from last year, and he had games where he faded off the face of the earth. He had basically two-ish good games last year, maybe three good games last year. But other than that, he really wasn't anything – his production wasn't anything to be desired. So with Tyler Lockett, I get it. He's going to have the totals at the end of the year. But his per-game production, his consistency is not where I need it to be in order to justify drafting him. One of the one of the guys that we've had on our show who's pretty big on um, fantasy football Twitter, Elvin Ryan, does this series of like where he'll put up like a, a picture of or else like a screenshot of like how ADPs have changed since January. And Tyler Lockett, you know, started out, I think in January, he was like a fourth round pick. And it just dropped off, and now he's into the the sixth, seventh round. I think he has an ADP of right around somewhere in the sixth round. And he, along with that picture, said, what did Tyler Lockett do to you? I'll tell you what Tyler Lockett did to me. He won me two games and lost me 14. Like, I mean, it was – Tyler Lockett was not good at most of the season, right? He had – he started off the season very well. And then he had a big game. Then he got a little bit more inconsistent. And then he had the biggest game – and then the last half of the season, he did absolutely nothing. I don't trust it. I'm with you, Jack. I, I mean, I'm not going to – I can't have that as my wide receiver too. I don't care if he ends up having enough points to be the wide receiver 10 overall. If all of that comes in six games and the other 10 games, he loses it for me, I don't care. 
nine games outside of the top 47 wide receivers last year. I'm going to speed it up and get through the rest of my team because I'm sure that we are probably running low on time because we just absolutely love to talk. So my fifth round pick, I pulled him up. I got him, Robbie Anderson. No one else is ever going to touch him as long as I'm in a league with you. He is my guy, planted the flag, all in on Robbie Anderson next season. And then I followed that up with Cortland Sutton. Those are my two starting wide receivers, Robbie Anderson, Cortland Sutton. I feel relatively good about that. Obviously don't have that stud uh, like a Tyree kill, Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, Jefferson, like you probably want. And then maybe those two guys after it, but you're starting two wide receivers. So I feel okay with that seventh round. I ended up coming back around. I got another wide receiver. I got Devonte Smith as my extremely high upside wide receiver three. We'll see what happens there. If, if uh, Deshaun Watson ends up going to Philadelphia, like those rumors keep swirling around Devonte Smith might end up being a fourth round pick. I'm serious. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, again, I wouldn't take him there, but absolutely he probably will be. So if you've drafted already, try to try to swing a trade for Devonte Smith. See what you can get right now, because I'd be willing to pay up to fifth round value for 90 as one who someone who, who is it that I said, said this 90% chance that Watson goes uh, to, to the you, Eagles. You told me that before the, uh, you said someone, I forget. I know I forget. I forget what their name was. I'll look for it, but it's some kind of Eagles. I believe they're an Eagles beat reporter said they believe there's a 90 or, or a, some kind of reporter for some team believes that there's a 90% chance that he ends up with the Eagles. Eighth round, I came back around. I didn't make the same mistake I did last time. I got Matthew Stafford as my starting quarterback. Boom, locked that in, love that. Ninth round, just want to hit on one thing. Adam Troutman here went in the ninth round. This is already getting a little bit out of control. Somebody's listening to our podcast a little too much. A little too much. So it makes sense with the Thomas news. If Jameis Winston's the starter, he's got to throw to somebody, and Adam Troutman might be the guy. Yep. Howard Eskin, I just want to say, is Howard Howard Eskin is his name. And he's uh, an anchor for Fox, the Fox channel. He's a sports anchor for the Fox channel in Philadelphia. So, I mean, there's some bias there. There's some bias there, but, you know, he's, he's a journalist. So it's kind of what he does. Guys, listen to this and tell me this isn't like the, the gold mine of diamonds in the rough that I found here at the end of the draft. Ninth round, fourth running back on my team, I took A.J. Dillon. I thought he had the highest upside of any running back still on the board. If anything were to happen to Aaron Jones, who's dealt with injuries, seems like the past three seasons he's missed at least a few games. Wait, can you, can you tell me at least that Zach Moss was off the board at that point? Zach Moss had been way off the board. All right, there we go. All right, continue. Yeah, no, I wouldn't take Dillon over Moss. No, it was, it was A.J. Dillon, uh, Gus Edwards was even. It was A.J. Dillon, Kenyon Drake, and Naheem Hines. And I have Dylan above Hines by a spot or two. I just feel like his his upside, uh, especially as my RB4. It depends is, on what you're going for. Absolutely there. Yeah. Uh, and also if the Aaron Jones owner wants to give me a ring, my line's always open. And then round 10, here is where I'm going to win the league. I did it. I pulled the trigger. I said in a video the other day, I'd be staying away from him. But it's at this point where you can't pass up on this value I have three wide receivers. I'm willing to wait it out at least a month, two months, whatever it is. I got Michael Thomas in round 10. That is unbelievable value. Unbelievable. That is a, that is a overreaction to the max. If you can, if you can stay at 500 before Michael Thomas comes back, then you might be winning a championship with that team. Very well. Could be. Jack, why are you making that face? Well, I don't know. I, I like Michael Thomas in the 10th. I think Michael Thomas in the 10th is a fantastic value because you're getting legitimate wide receiver one value in the 10th round, obviously. But 
Lucas's point, I, I, I'm still concerned with what we're going to get from Michael Thomas. Jack, once Jack, 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 you literally told me in the last episode where I took Aaron Rodgers in round 10. How many, you said, quote, Shane, how many players in round 10 are you really going to still have on your no, fans? I agree. I agree. I think Michael Thomas in the 10th round is a fantastic pick. I think Luke is saying that Michael Thomas is going to win you a championship once he comes back. If you're 500, I think that's a mistake. I don't think, I don't think Michael Thomas is as game changing as he once was. I think he is a legitimate wide receiver too. And I think he's good in your lineup. I think, I don't know how much better he is than a normal fifth round pick. Wide receiver two. He says, I think he's a legitimate wide receiver too. He's yeah, a legitimate Kobe, wide right? receiver one. Top five wide receiver in the league still. You realize that, right? Just yes. Well, Taysom Hill and I don't know. If Taysom Hill's the quarterback, he if, did fine if you with can him. Stay but up, not- if you can stay at 500 with that team until Shane, until Michael Thomas comes back, I bet you're winning a championship. But in parentheses with James Winston starting at quarterback, then I can win a championship. All right, yes, Jack. Then, then we're okay. Okay. That makes you feel better. All right. Round 11. We had kickers go. We had defenses go. Don't make that mistake. You're leaving so much value on the board. I got Darnell Mooney in the 11th round. So there's my wide receiving course. Bears just traded Anthony Miller. So Darnell Mooney's going to see even more snaps than he usually is. Darnell Mooney. Anthony Miller was uh, was a negative threat to Darnell Mooney. There there was no effect. I mean, does it say we trust uh, Mooney to the fullest to take over this role on the offense and be a legitimate piece? Yes. Does it do anything in terms of snaps or extra touchdowns or extra yards? No, probably not. Nothing, nothing. Uh, It just solidified. It just makes this pick even better in the 11th round, getting Darnell Mooney here, following it up with my, this has to be, this would be my wide receiver six, Mike Williams as my wide receiver six. You know, I, I made a video on him the other day, Jack, I put out a list that you ended up sending right back to our group chat and said that it makes you want to barf. Uh, and Mike Williams was on that list. But listen, he's had a thousand yards in a season before with Philip Rivers. He's had 10 touchdowns in a season before with Philip Rivers. I can only imagine what he can do in an offense full season with Justin Herbert if he's fully healthy. That's what we need, right? Fully healthy Mike Williams. You're obviously not going to wish for injuries, but if anything were to happen to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams stepped up as the wide receiver one in that offense, I think he has wide receiver two upside. Look, and you want to look at injury potential and injury history. His first five seasons in the league, Keenan Allen had some kind of career ending injury. Since then, he hasn't been injured once. You know, you want to talk about Michael, Mike Williams, you know, potential, you know, ending his, his injury history. Maybe it's the Chargers way, right? You, your first several seasons in the league, you're injury prone and then you're fine. So let's, let's hope some of that Keenan Allen stuff rubs off on Mike Williams. So Mike Williams, wide receiver six, 12th round. I, I mean, like, come on, like, I'll take that. And then 13th round, I needed a fifth running back. So I said, well, I didn't get Naheem Hines before because I took AJ Dillon. I'll take JD McKissick as a guy who, if I need to plug in and potentially get me 10 points, 13th round, I'll take that. Yep. yep. That's a good one. 14th round. How do bat like, like I am just like running circles around everyone. 14th round. I got Russell Gage as my wide receiver seven. As my wide receiver seven, I have Russell Gage right now. Oh, is that when you tweeted in like all caps, Russell Gage should not be going in the 14th round. And then I said, Russell Gage is going in the 14th round. And and Russell Gage legitimately went in the 14th round. I could not believe it. Wow. I I mean, I I snagged him up. I think it was like one second was off the clock, not even. And I clicked draft Russell Gage. Wide receiver two in a Matt Ryan-led offense. Let that sink in. As my wide receiver seven. Wide receiver two in a Matt Ryan-led offense. Matt Ryan led the league last season with 626 pass attempts. And if you gave 
Calvin Ridley 150 targets, 1,400 yards, and 10 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns that would still leave over 350 yards, 3,500 3, yards, 16 touchdowns, and 400 plus, 450 plus, you know, targets to spread out among Kyle Pitts and inevitably Russell Gage. So I'll take that as my, once again, Mike Davis too. Mike Davis will get some of those. I know. I still love Mike Davis. Uh, Wide receiver seven guys. Come on. And then round 14, 16, you know, I never take a defense or a kicker, especially this early. I took Deshaun Watson in round 15, 15 Deshaun Watson. I know. know. He's at training camp. I think he's going to play. You know, people keep saying the, the case with, with everything that happened to him. He, do, he is not set to have depositions until after the season ends. He's going to play. He's not going to be for the Texans, which honestly might be even better for his fantasy value. It would be. I, there are very few play. situations in this league that are worse than the Texans right now. Who's trading for Deshaun Watson right now? The Eagles or the Dolphins. It's one of those two. And if either of those two teams get him, he's mm, – let me think about this before I say it out loud. Where would I have Deshaun Watson in my rankings if he went to the Eagles or the Dolphins? QB five, QB four, QB four. I think it's different between the two. If it's the Eagles, it's much lower than the Dolphins, in my opinion. Not much. I agree. Not much. Not much. Definitely at least two spots. Would you, uh, Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford? Watson. Yeah, probably Watson Watson on the Dolphins for fantasy. I'd agree. I mean, Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. Watson. Okay, so Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson? Lamar. That put me. That put him at. That put him at QB five in my rankings. Yeah. Yep. There you go. About right. That's why he'd be right around that. I mean, what? Because my sixteenth round pick, I just took Nelson Aguilar because obviously wide receiver eight. Why wouldn't anyone want Nelson Aguilar? I'll just scoop him up and no one else can have him. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson for the rest of the episode here and the impact that he would have on either of those two teams because that's where it seems like those two are the two likeliest destinations. If he were to go to the Dolphins. What does that do for Parker, Gusecki, Waddle, and who am I forgetting? And Fuller. Fuller. Fuller, 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 I think it benefits the most by a lot because we've seen Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson. When Will Fuller's been on the field, period, with Deshaun Watson, he's been nothing short of spectacular, right? And the question is, can he stay on the field? Will Fuller moves up quite a bit in my rankings if Deshaun Watson's there, and I think separates himself as a clear number one wide receiver for the entirety of this season. As long as he's healthy. As long barring, as he's healthy. Barring healthy. Health. Barring health, yes. And he's still suspended yeah. for the first game of the season, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, he is. You're losing one there. But, yeah, yeah, I think you legitimately – you have to start drafting them like they're the receiving core in Cincinnati and probably a bit higher. For all three I of those guys. I like that. I, I think that's a great comparison of where yeah. those would go. Except I really – I'm going to be totally honest. I don't think Devontae Parker's talented. Like he's athletic, but I don't, I don't think, you know, when you look at his past stats, I, I wrote it down on my phone. Cause I was going to, he's make- had, he said, he just has flashes. That's, that's what Devontae Parker, he has some flashes, but he's never been able to fully put it together for any significant period of time, except when making cartoons, he does make some good cartoons. Oh, that's great. That's definitely going to help me out right now. <laughs> his draft average draft position is wide receiver 45. And PPR at pick 118. In 2019, Parker finished with 1,202 receiving yards, nine touchdowns on 128 targets. Prior to that, he averaged 85 targets per 16 games and an average of 669 yards and three touchdowns a season. That's so blah. I mean, has he ever had a legitimate – because Ryan Tannehill wasn't fully unlocked 
during his time in Miami. So yeah, maybe would Watson fully unlock Parker? Like Parker would probably be three out of three. Devontae like, Parker's had a, a twelve hundred yard at that point. Devontae Parker's had a twelve hundred yard season before. He, I mean, he 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 can that's produce. It. What what'd you say? That, and that was it. Yeah, that's that's the best he's done for sure. But that's that's pretty good, you know. And so he can produce. And Deshaun Watson would help him to produce. I mean, are, would you sit here and say that there wouldn't be three relevant wide receivers in a Deshaun Watson-led offense? Well, I could. I would say that Mike Gusecki would be one of them. Absolutely. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. But then are you going to drop Jalen Waddell or are you no, going to drop Devontae Parker here? Parker, that's I'm dropping Parker. I'm con- just concerned about Jalen Waddell in his rookie season. I just think Watson, if there would be anyone that could possibly help him, it'd be Watson. You know, besides maybe a season quarterback but like watson would be yeah great yeah how similar are will fuller's and jalen waddle's skill sets because on tape uh, they're yeah. both they're both speedsters they're downfield threats they're bigger guys for me they're very very similar no jalen waddle is not as big and he's quite a bit um more elusive an underneath guy no 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 jalen waddle he is absolutely he's super super fast i mean he he runs like a sub four three forty he can um, he did at the combine, I believe. And uh, did he run at the combine? I don't remember if he ran at the combine, but I know that he can run a sub four three forty. Jalen Waddle's super super fast, but he's also extremely elusive and very 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 quick. He's way quicker than than um, than Will Fuller, which is the difference. That being said, Will Fuller's a much more seasoned wide receiver in the NFL, a better route runner, a lot more experience against those cornerbacks. Jalen Waddle has started half a college football season. That's it. And so that's where my concern comes in. Lastly, right before we wrap up here, super quick, we touched on Devontae Smith. If Deshaun Watson were to go to Philadelphia, would Jalen Rieger become one of the best sleepers in all fantasy football if yes. Washington lands in Philly? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where, where would you rank him? Oof. I see. We talk about two receivers producing in the Deshaun Watson led offense. We saw it a little bit last year, but we haven't seen that consistently ever right it was DeAndre Hopkins and then Will Fuller was his number two but Will Fuller was always hurt and then you saw Will Fuller and then Brandon Cooks was the number two until and he was okay until Will Fuller suspension and then Brandon Cooks was number uh, top receiver so I, I don't know how much Deshaun Watson's value actually helps these I think guys. I think I it's more you have to look at Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz more so than Jalen Rieger I yeah I don't, I don't know that's true I play, I do like I do like Jalen Rieger though I put Rieger around the ninth, tenth round range, I'd say. And yeah. he's going honestly undrafted. Yeah. Right oh, now. he will be drafted. And I, I would be drafting him, or he would be in a draft spot for me on my rankings. All right. So, super quick would you take Russell Gage or Jalen Rieger? Russell Gage. Russell Gage. Not even close. Would you take Henry Ruggs or Jalen Rieger? Jalen Rieger. Jack? I would take. Man, I'd still think I'd take Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs with Derek Carr over Jalen Rieger with Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't. Would you, I, would you take Michael Gallup or Jalen Rieger? Jalen Rieger. Darnell Mooney or Rieger? Mooney. Chenault or Rieger? Rieger. Rieger for me. Chenault. I'd go Chenault. Corey Davis or Rieger? Rieger. Rieger. And we're going to end it with that, of course. Slander the Jets. Let's slander the Jets. They deserve it. They no, do they not. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Fantasy Football Laboratory. Thank you for tuning in, and be sure to check us out on Twitter and on TikTok at FF Laboratory. Always have so much great t- content 
going out for you guys on there. I'm grinding out videos every single day. Sleepers, busts, breakouts. You can find that on the TikTok. You can find that on our Twitter. You can find that on our website, fflaboratory.com. You can now enter the lab and see everything that you need to dominate the competition, school the competition, heading into the 2021 NFL season. For the chemist, Jack McGrath, Spitfire Lucas Parrish, I'm the King of Trade, Shane Palma. Have a great day.